Hi guys, <laughs> it's Emily <laughs> and Danielle. Um, we're here to record another episode of Midwest Madness. Um, a true crime, cult, conspiracy, and cryptid, po- cryptid podcast. Cryptid podcast. Emily's had a long day. Um, Emily has had a long day. <laughs> I um am over home owner home ownership at this moment in time. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure all those homeowners out there can feel me sometimes. Um, but yeah. So this is our second time starting this recording because we had a, a small fiasco. It's Nothing like super tragic, but just it's details. So yeah, if we uh, seem like not our usual <laughs> selves, that's why. Yeah. Um, I do want to retell my serious story though. That's fine because it's really cute. Go for it. So when I was driving with Sirius in the car, he was kind of nervous, and so I turned on the barbara cotton episode because i wasn't done with it and the minute he heard emily's voice he like settled down in the back seat and like let out this big sigh like (sighs) and it was real cute he's my little buddy so he loves his mama yep um yeah so um (laughs) this is weird like retelling you this but um i am doing something a little different this time just because um a I was getting nightmares, so usually when I get nightmares, that means I need to take a break from true crime, so I'm doing something a little different. Um, And then mine's going to be a little shorter, just because my Barbara Cotton episode was longer. It was like 55 minutes. Yeah, and we're just a little tired, I think. Yeah, this is... We've been recording back to back to back to back for... I think we missed one weekend, didn't we? Yeah, but like for the entire month, we've done every weekend. Yeah, so just because we're going to be out of town, so... For um, a wedding. Yeah. I'm just a little, I was a little uh, not feeling it. <laughs> Which is totally fine. <laughs> to be honest with you guys. Totally um, fine. We like to be honest. So, you know, I hope it's still entertaining. I think it is. But I'm super excited. Yeah. Because I know what the you topic is now. You know what the topic is now. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to be talking about the Great Lakes and um, some like myths and legends and a couple shipwrecks that Which go I'm along with that. Which I'm excited about. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get into it um so there are five great lakes in north america and there are lake superior lake michigan lake huron lake erie and lake ontario Um, most if not all these lakes could be considered in the midwest i think there's one that's not in the midwest we're really dumb we should have looked that up yeah we should have (laughs) restarted it you Um, keep talking and i'll fill you in i think it's lake ontario Danielle thinks it's like Huron. Well, because like when you learn the names of the Great Lakes. You never learned the names you, of the Great Lakes. You didn't learn that? Oh, we learned that it was, it spelled Holmes. Mm. H-O-M-E. Huron, Ontario, Michigan. No, Erie, that doesn't make sense. Superior. That wouldn't be Oh, wait. Like H-O-E-M-S or M-E-S? Um, Holmes. No, you, yeah, then that wouldn't make sense because it, Michigan and Erie. It would be Erie, Michigan, Superior. Okay. So... I think it's like Ontario. Um, the Great Lakes span for more than 750 miles, and they are one of the world's largest freshwater ecosystems. They make up of 84% of the freshwater in North America. Which um, is a lot. Which is, yeah, that is, if you think about it, so much. Um, there are a lot of... Oh, do you They go, so from, from west to east it is superior here on michigan michigan ontario and erie what where the heck is huron apparently it's next up no i wrote what order do the great lakes go in <laughs> i literally wrote that no let me look at images 
keep talking okay um because of the location of the lakes being like northern okay Okay. i have a picture this time it goes superior and then michigan Michigan. is between wisconsin and michigan Michigan. and then on the other side is huron Huron. and then and then erie's down below and then ontario i knew ontario is the first one that one's not technically in the midwest you are correct okay everyone can shut up because (laughs) it is gonna be today um that was really correct <laughs> because of the locations of the lakes and their sizes um the waters can get pretty nasty um the lakes are used to transport a lot of goods around and um you know because of how much they're used and the the size the size and, and the what, weather yeah. like there's multiple shipwrecks well because like they're in the north you yeah. know like there's not there's a winter. southern yeah so they don't freeze over mm. but they do get really they, really cold they do kind of they freeze near the shoreline but it's not like you can go walk on it right mm, i think people do I feel but like they use like um, icebreakers to like break up the ice okay. so ships can still come in and out of port and stuff okay. which is kind of cool but that is pretty cool um yeah so these lakes have some pretty famous shipwrecks but um let's get into it so the first thing i'm going to talk about is a cryptid there's gonna be a couple of these but i'm so excited we haven't done cryptids in so long there's i'm gonna be honest there's not a lot of information on these so that's why short and sweet cryptids are hard (laughs) Hard. because there's not a lot of information on them so the first one we're going to talk about is the lake superior mishapishu so the mishapishu is known as a giant underwater panther the direct translation of mishapishu is the great lynx that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. The Mishapishu is an Ojibwe water creature that has the head and paws of a giant cat. Oh. Uh, We just lost volume. The heads and the paws. Well, I just lost it here. Well, it's still going. Okay. Well, maybe we are a mess today, people. My headphones might have just died. Danielle's headphones died. We are so sorry. But <laughs> you know what? We're genuine and real. So you're getting just real live action. Wee! Emily and Danielle on a Sunday night. <laughs> I'm right just going to leave it plugged. Like, yeah, I'm just not don't touch even touch it. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry. <sighs> okay. Maybe this episode's going to be long just because it's like a mess. Just because it's a cluster. Oh, okay. Um, Choo Choo Motherfucker, right? Yeah. Because we're on the, the shit show train. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Mishapishu is an Ojibwe water creature with the head and paws of a giant cat, the horns of a bison, the scaly body of a snake, and the spike and a spiky back and tail. So That sounds really messed up. Like really scary. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've changed my mind. I'm kind of scared of it now. I don't want to see it that's all i'm gonna say um it sounded cute when it was just a water lynx the great like panther yeah like panther. the great panther yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. it sounded cute like a, a cat with like gills on its face or something i don't know no but with that description i've changed my mind yeah the mishapishu is said to hiss and the hiss sounds like rushing water um Ooh. the mishapishu is located near the island of mishipotin which is located in canada deal with it on the northeast side of lake superior and apparently it guards the copper on the island um the creature is known to bring death misfortune and the occasional storm to the area that's pretty dope yep um so that is the lake superior mishapishu and you're gonna post pictures of that right yes okay there's gonna be a lot of pictures for this i'm episode, so excited just everyone else i love it not that anyone goes on our social media and interacts with us 
makes me sniff sniff that's us crying yeah um okay next let's talk about lake michigan's michigan triangle i've heard of this i was actually gonna cover this okay so this one does have quite a lot of information yeah it does but again i kind of like suppress it a little bit okay so i can still maybe Uh, we'll see um so the michigan triangle is a space of lake michigan where planes and boats mysteriously disappear or sink so it's like the bermuda triangle but But in the great lakes yep okay the three points are manitowoc wisconsin ludington michigan and benton harbor michigan um um benton harbor is where house of david is yes and they are actually mentioned in this are they yeah on may 21st 1891 um seven sailors board the thomas hume with a shipment of lumber from chicago headed for muskegon michigan and the hacky hume lumber mill the boat took off alongside the lumber mills i don't hear anything um other boat the rouse simmons not long after they set sail stormy weather moved in um, the Rouse Simmons turned back and decided to wait for calmer waters, and the Thomas Hume sailed on. The Thomas Hume and the seven sailors aboard would never be seen again. Hackey and Hume, the omers, owners of the lumber mill, the boat was headed to... Yeah. Why are you looking it up? No, because that's in my pictures. Oh. Cause it was, <laughs> to do? Yeah. Oh. So I was showing you that I had it. Sorry. That was um, I should have talked to. Yeah. Sorry. We're already on. <laughs> so Hacky and whom the owners of the lumber mill, the boat was headed to, sent out search parties to find the lost ship and nothing was ever found. So no people, no boat, and no, no piece of wreckage. Oh. 22 years later, on November 22nd, 1912, the Rouse Simmons set sail again on the waters of Lake Michigan. So that was the other boat that like turned back. Yes. Um, this time it was filled with Christmas trees. Captain Herman, what a sad thing to lose. Schumann men <laughs> and sixteen <laughs> sailors were never seen again. The boat was spotted once sailing in clear conditions, but had its distress flag flying. So a rescue a rescue boat was sent over, but when they arrived to the boat, like nothing was amiss. No, no one was there. Nothing was wrong. Wait, so like when you say no one was there, it was like just a ship like with no people on it. It just said nothing was wrong. Okay. It didn't go into detail. That's weird. Um, this was the last confirmed sighting. Again, no wreckage was ever found. However, a year later, Christmas trees began washing up on shore. Um, but since then, nothing. Seriously, that's like one of the saddest things that you could lose is a Christmas tree. Like, because they're supposed to be so cheerful. And- yeah and stuff and also why did it take a year for the trees to wash up on shore they must have been really far out there and why didn't any other ship see or were they just like underneath the the, like in the hull and then they finally like work their way up yeah Um, who knows in 2006 the thomas hume which is the first boat to go missing Mm -hmm. was discovered on the bottom of lake michigan in perfect condition the Rouse Simmon was also found in 165 feet of water, but neither ship showed a clue of what could have possibly sank them. So, like, there's no damage to either of the... Nope. What? Yeah. And, okay, so we say that, like, Lake Michigan is big, and it is big, but it's not, like, ocean big, so it doesn't have, like, rogue waves, right? What do you mean? Like, in the ocean, you can have what's called a rogue wave, and that means it's like this huge wave that comes out of nowhere. 
and um our favorite show destination truth or no oh, expedition unknown expedition sorry unknown. he used to do it with destination truth yeah um does an episode about a missing ship and they're like could it have been a rogue wave and they do like this little mock test with like a smaller one in like a wave chamber mm-hmm. thing and they prove that it could have been that i mean i don't know you're so, asking questions i don't know i know so. i'm just saying like i don't feel like I mean, we've seen Lake Superior when it's not calm. We've seen rough waters there. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's big enough to have a rogue wave that would just knock out a whole giant ship. They're pretty big. I don't know. There's a fly on my floor. Can you Seriously? go kill it? Yeah. It's underneath the table or the chair. Yeah. Danielle's going to kill a fly for me really quick, and I'm going to keep talking. Um, Now, okay, let's see here. In 1860, the Lady Elgin, which was a wooden steamship, collided with a smaller boat, the Augusta. So this Lady Elgin was like a big ship, and this Augusta was a small boat. The Augusta actually sailed safely on into harbor, while the Lady Elgin continued to take on water, eventually sinking and taking its 300 passengers down with it. Which is, like, really weird. Like, a small boat survived, but the big boat didn't. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Weird. Um, now, in 1921, the ship, the Rosabelle, set sail. This sh- boat was used to bring the House of David community and Benton Harbor, like, supplies. Okay. Um sorry (laughs) the boat had 11 passengers on board when this ship fails to reach its destination a search is conducted um this boat was actually found floating upside down with no trace of any of its passengers all right i need i need to look up if a rogue wave can happen happen in lake michigan because this is (laughs) that's the only thing i can think of it being yeah oh like you're saying a lot of let me just Continue on with this one. So examining the hull of the ship shows that there was a collision of some sort. Okay. But no collision is reported and no other boat um, with collision damage is found. So. Well, because like the other two were like no damage at all, even though they're sunk at the bottom of the lake, right? Yeah. Supposedly. Okay. Okay. You keep going. I'm going to. Um, type one-handed. Now, there aren't just weird shipwrecks in the Michigan Triangle. In um, 1937, Captain George R. Donner is navigating the ship, the O.M. McFarland, through the icy waters of Upper Lake Michigan. After successfully sailing the ship through these dangerous waters, Captain George goes to rest in his cabin. As the ship begins to sail through the Michigan Triangle, Captain George shuts his cabin door. After a few hours, the ship begins to near its destination of Port Washington, and the crew goes to wake the captain up. When they knock, there is no answer at the door, and it is locked from the inside. After more knocks go unanswered, they begin to panic and decide to knock the door down. Inside, um, they find absolutely nothing. Wait, so he's not there? He's not there. What? They search the whole entire ship looking for Captain George, and they don't find him anywhere. The captain has disappeared. No explanation is ever discovered, and the mystery remains unsolved to this day. What? Yeah. Okay, so um, M in my brief Google five search. seconds of research, um, it says Lake Michigan, long recognized as the deadliest of the lakes, sees the most 
rogue waves each year. So they do have rogue waves. Yes. So they are big enough. Okay. That makes so much more sense to my brain. Good to know. Um, all right. Next. Yes. On June 23rd, 1950, Northwest Flight 2501 is flying from New York City to Seattle with 58 people aboard. When they begin flying over the Lake Michigan Triangle, Captain Robert Lind radios to request permission to descend to 2,500 feet due to electrical storm and high winds. This request, for some reason, is denied, and then all of a sudden the radar goes dark. Um, That's not good. 2501 has disappeared. They obviously begin to search Lake Michigan for wreckage, but nothing is found. Found. Human remains did wash up on shore a week later, but to this day, the plane wreckage remains unfound, despite a yearly search for the plane being done. Um, can you really quick give me the, the flight number again? Flight 2501. That's on my list of things to do, too. Oh, really? Northwest Flight 2501, because guess who does an episode on it? Josh Gates! Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So Yeah, it's... A, I haven't got to It's kind yet. of a heartbreaking one, because, like... They're still clearly looking for the the plane because, like you just said, there's yearly searches. Yeah. So it's kind of sad because, like, they don't find it. But it was a really interesting one, hence the reason it was on my podcast list. I'm going to take that one off now. Okay. Um, (laughs) So that is the weird Lake Michigan Triangle. Um, moving on, we have the Lake Ontario Serpent, so another cryptid. Ooh. This beast is located near Kingston, Ontario, which, again, I know technically isn't the Midwest, but so the lake itself is located near the Midwest, so. This one starts with a scary name. The serpent is called Kingsty, <laughs> and it is said to be a 30-foot-long hydro snake that could breathe fire like a dragon and fly like a bird. <laughs> So it's like a water dragon. It also has short legs and a tail, so like not a snake at all. More like a lizard. This one actually sounds less scary than yeah. the water lynx, or the water panther, sorry. Yeah, the Mishapishu. Yeah, I didn't know how to say it, so I didn't <laughs> want to try. The first sighting of Kingsley was from 1881 when a passenger on a boat named the Gypsy claimed to see it. Since 1881, there have been sightings in 1888, 1892, 1931, and 1970. Damn. In 1934, there was a sighting that ended up being a hoax when a barrel was filled with empty bottles to help it float, and a dragon's head was attached to the top. That's hilarious. Yeah. So people thought it would be funny to do that. It is. That is hilarious. Yeah. But that's all I have on that one. Next, we're going to talk about the lost civilization at the bottom of Lake Huron. Lake Huron is on the east side of Michigan, and it shares a border with Canada. In 2009, researchers from the University of Michigan found what appears to be a lost civilization and human activity 100 feet below the surface. That's cool as hell. Yeah. Now, the cool thing is that the civilization could be from as far back as the 7th millennium B.C., so that makes this about 9,000 years old. That's really cool. To put that in perspective, that is twice as old as the Great Pyramids in Egypt. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. What they found were caribou hunting structures and camps used by the early hunters of this period. So it was like rock formations, basically. Okay. Um, I wonder if Josh Gates will go there next. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps swapping up in her 
our podcast. Yeah. They say that these ancient civilization structures um, were so well preserved because of relatively the relatively calm waters of Lake Huron and where they are located offshore. That's really cool. Yeah. Next. Yes, I'm ready. I'm sorry. These are no. all so short. No, I love it. This is it's kind of like it's just this like, fun I'm just little like rapid firing. Great it's like this lakes. fun little hodgepodge of facts of stuff. at you. You have a flight outside now. I know. I'll watch it. Thanks. Yeah. Now the last couple things I want to talk about are shipwrecks that happen on the Great Lakes. Okay. There are quite a few again since from the water can go from like calm to nasty in a matter of minutes. And there are rogue waves. And there are rogue waves apparently. Um, the first shipwreck I want to talk about is the CB Lockwood. The CB Lockwood sank during a storm on October 13th, 1902. The ship was a 285 foot wooden steamer. That was sailing from Buffalo, New York to Duluth, Minnesota. It sank just east of Cleveland, Ohio, about 13.5 miles um, from Fairpoint Harbor, which makes this wreck, what makes this wreck so interesting, sorry, is that researchers knew exactly where this one sank. Within days, the wreck had been found and marked with buoys, but then after that, the CB Lockwood disappeared. Wait, what? For years, divers and researchers could not find the ship, and it remained a huge mystery of what could have possibly happened to it. Aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. I mean, what the heck, man? Um, Then finally, the ship was refound again. Apparently, what had happened is that the ship essentially sank again, but this time it sank down into a glacier-formed valley of Lake Erie. That's cool and yeah. also really creepy. The wreck is still diveable. However, most of the ship is buried on the lake bottom under a bunch of sediment and silt. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like the water version of quicksand where it just kind of like sank yeah. further into the ground. Okay. But it like also like sank into a valley and then it sank even further okay. into the ground. Um, It's hmm. interesting that it's that deep where it could, you know, where it had had ended in the first place was there was still that much more that it could go down for it to be completely lost again. Yeah, and you think they like how did they not like think to look in this little like cabin in the first place? Or Maybe this they valley? didn't even know it was there. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, weird, right? Yeah, super weird. Um, the JB Cowell has had only been in use for seven years when it went down in 1909. And Lake Superior. Another weird thing I noticed is that um, most of these shipwrecks are from, like, back in the day. Like the early 1900s, late 1800s kind of? Yeah. Okay. Which I think is interesting. Um, anyway, sorry, 1909 in Lake Superior. A thick, dense fog had settled over the water of Lake Superior when the cowl was just about 1.5 miles from Whitefish Point, which is in Michigan. The captain of the John B. Cowell ordered the ship to slow down to half speed and it began issuing fog signals. So I'm assuming like a fog signal is so like other ships in the area, like they can know where yeah, ships are. Or maybe for a lighthouse. Um, maybe. I saying think. like a lighthouse saying like, hey, we're out here. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We Des- don't know enough about big ships, ships. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Despite doing everything right, not long after this, another ship, the Isaac M. Scott, came upon the cowl at full speed. Get the- it together, Isaac. I know. The captain of the cowl called for a reverse and a hard left, but unfortunately the Scott ended up ramming the cowl, splitting it in half. 
The ship sank Yikes. in three minutes, taking 14 out of the 24 crew with it. Holy cow, that's a really fast. Yeah. The wreck still lies where it sunk, one and a half miles from Whitefish Point, in 200 feet of water. The ship, however, was unfortunately looted upon discovery in 1972, but it is still one of the most well-preserved shipwrecks in Lake Superior. That's crazy that that happened that fast. Three minutes. Yeah, and it's also crazy that the Great Lakes are 200 feet deep. Oh, just at least. Yeah. I mean, at least. The next one I'm going to talk about is the Edmund Scott Fitzgerald. That's a big one. one. That that was also Lake Superior, right? Yes. And this is, I would say, the most famous Great Lakes um, shipwreck. Uh, The ship is not only the largest ship to sink in the Great Lakes, but it also was the last ship to sink. Really? And the ship sank on November 10th, 1975. Wow, that's really recent. Yeah, but like no ship has sunk since then. So that's kind of impressive. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. You ask me. Yeah, no kidding. Especially because we've had so many... You know, I should have looked up like how many shipwrecks are on the Great Lakes. I'm sure it's so many. Do you want me to do it really quick? If you want to. Okay. So the ship sunk on November 10th, 1975, about 17 miles from Whitefish Point. It was found four days later, but unfortunately, because of where the ship sank in 530 feet of water, it is next to impossible for researchers to dive to it. And because of this, no one really knows why it went down. No, they I'm, need to get James Cameron on that. They need to get on um, one of those like little ROV things. Yeah, actually, that's I think what he they did have, with Titanic. I think they have done that. That was James Cameron, wasn't it? No, that's isn't that the director of the yeah. movie? Yeah, he like has done a shit ton of research. He's oh, really? really interesting. I mean, I, I it sounds like they've done like surveys of the ship, but you just like you physically can't dive. Like, yeah, that's down way there. too deep. It's way too deep. Yeah. Um, November 10th was a stormy night, and the Fitzgerald had had some trouble earlier. The ship made no distress call before it sank with all 29 crew members on board. Jeez. The Fitzgerald literally seemed to be there one minute and gone the next. The ship was found in two pieces on the bottom of the lake floor because all 29 of the crew went down with the ship. Investigators um, trying to figure out what happened had to rely on first-hand accounts from other ships that saw the Fitzgerald that day. Okay. Um, I didn't, I honestly had no idea. Like, I've heard of the the Fitzgerald. Um, I think if you're from the area, you you have heard well, of it. There's a whole song on it. Well, anyways. Um, it's popular. I just didn't realize it was this recent. Like, oh, whenever I thought of it, I always thought it was, like, the 30s or something. Um, no. Uh, of course, there are some crazy far-out theories, like the Fitzgerald was brought down by a UFO or even was a victim of the Great Lakes-Michigan Triangle. Told you it was aliens. <laughs> we don't know if the ship split in two on the lake floor or before it sank. Um, we do know that the Fitzgerald was sailing with a companion ship, the Arthur M. Anderson, um, and we know that the two ships accidentally sailed right into the heart of the, uh, the storm that was happening that day. Okay. They were trying to like take a different path to avoid it, but mm-hmm. by taking the other path, they actually sailed right into the middle of it. So not, not the best planning. Yeah. Um, but the Anderson didn't sink and the Fitzgerald did. So why? Yeah. Here are the top theories. Okay. <laughs> the first, this kind of probably is going to get boring, but the first is the faulty hatches on the cargo hold led the ship to take on water slowly without crew and captain knowing, ultimately making the ship sink. 
Okay, so it just got too heavy. Yeah. The okay. next theory, well, I mean, it just like water came in. Yeah, it just like filled same. with water. Yeah. The next theory also has to do with the hatches, but this time um, all of the hatches failed at once and the ship took on water quickly. Next, it said that maybe the Fitzgerald had hull damage by examining the wreck. Um, has sh- but examining the wreck has shown this hasn't likely. So I'm assuming okay. they have had like some water RVs or whatever yeah. those are called down there. ROV. Yeah. And the next theory was that the ship was just overworked and overloaded. It was rumored that because the Fitzgerald was used too much and often had more on it than was supposed to be, they could have been essentially, um, they called it killing the ship. Okay. So it just like gave out essentially. So they just basically just like overworked it. Yeah. And didn't give it like the TLC that That it needed. needed. Okay. And then a combination of the weather probably just didn't help. Um, and lastly, possibly the ship was just taken down by huge waves. Rogue okay. waves. Apparently. Rogue waves. <laughs> <laughs> a rogue wave is like a surprise wave. The big waves are just a big From wave. This, yeah. So um, there are know. over 6,000 shipwrecks yeah, that's in crazy, the Great Lakes. If you think about that. And it says um, it's estimated that there are about 550 wrecks in Lake Superior, most of which are undiscovered. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. To think about. That's just like... That's from um, shipwreckmuseum.com. Oh, I think I use them as one of my sources. Okay. I just want to make sure I, yeah. sort of, I got the source in there. Um, so, like, one thing for certain is we probably will never know for sure what took down the Edmund Fitzgerald. But kind of an interesting fact about the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald is that it is the second, it is the second most written about ship in both books, film, and media. Um, hmm. Only second to the most popular sh- shipwreck of... The Titanic. The, the Titanic. Yeah. yeah. So isn't that's that kind really, of interesting? Yeah, that's really interesting. I had no idea that yeah. it was that well popular. known yeah. and that and why too. Like, yeah. is maybe question. it's because it's so. It's not even that recent anymore. No. Interesting though. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool little fact. That was a cool. F- I like that. Um, next and last but not least, <laughs> um, this is just kind of fun. I thought, um. The Socrates on November 18th, 1985, a huge winter storm had brought um, in gale force winds. Okay. The Socrates was trying to dock in the harbor in Duluth, Minnesota, when the 580-foot ship was pushed off course and actually ran aground on Park Point. The ship was just 50 feet from the beach. Holy cow. 50 feet is like from here to like the that truck. Yeah. <laughs> like, and think about that, like a 580 foot ship. And that like people would, live on Park Point. Yeah. That, can you imagine how scary that would be? Oh, you would probably just see that thing coming yeah, in. Yeah. You're like, like, oh shit. Yeah. I should probably get out of my house. <laughs> the ship was stuck on Park Point for just over two days before they could finally get some tugboats out there to pull the ship off the beach. So not like the Suez Canal. No. <laughs> Despite running aground, the ship only sustained minor hull damage. Wow. Um, I just thought that was kind of funny. It was like a huge deal in Duluth, too. Oh, like, I'm sure. It, people were like all over the beach. What year was that again? 1985. I wonder if uh, Tom or her parents remember. Maybe. Because mom graduated no, she was 82. 82 she was gone by then but you never know we'll have to ask yeah when we interview tom we have to interview tom i know when we interview him we'll have to ask 
Um, so that is all I got on the Great Lakes. Um, I liked that a lot. It was like a lot of rapid fire. Yeah, (laughs) but it it was nice because it was like, you're still getting good information and it's still, it was still really fascinating. Yeah. None of it was like, why is she telling me this? And I think we could like, I, we could probably do a whole nother episode on the Great Lakes and talk about all different things. Oh, I'm sure. Cause you didn't cover one of the ones that. Oh, really? uh Interesting. It was in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. I did not see any in Chicago. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I never left the port. So. Okay. Interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah. Pretty big tragedy. But. So, yeah. I might cover that. That's. That's all I got. Um, I liked it. A little different. A little weird. Yeah. I liked Actually, it Actually not as short as I thought it was going to be. But that's also because we were. <laughs> It's like it's like the both of us know that when it's gonna be short, we're like, okay, it's gonna be kind of short. So then we just like add in a bunch of crap and like, well, we're all we're chit chat like, and I feel like I don't know. I I had a long weekend. You had a long weekend. Yeah. We got a lot to do in the next two days before we leave, and we have a lot to do in the next two days. I got shit going on. I gotta take Sia and get her a bath because she's stinky. <laughs> okay. So I'm um, like trying to plan on I'm gonna do that and then other things and schoolwork yeah. and. Ugh. So but you know what? I loved it. That is that, you guys. I hope you enjoyed. If you want us to do more episodes like this, you know, a nice little break from the true crime. The horror of murder and mayhem and, and all yeah, that fun stuff. The sad stuff. Sad, not fun stuff, sad stuff. <laughs> um, let us know because I kind of enjoyed I really liked it. I know I've so. thought that I really liked it like five times, but I'm, I, I really did. I um, thought it was cool. I thought thanks. it was interesting. So I want to do my sources really quick. Yes, please. There's a lot. Um, okay. The first one is MilwaukeeMag.com, Legend of the Ma- Lake Michigan Triangle, Cryptids with a Z dot I think I've used that com. one too. <laughs> um, Great Lakes Guide, um, ShipwreckMuseum.com, okay. MapQuest.com, interestingly hey. enough, oh, MNDigital.org, and MLive.com. Nice. And that is that. And then the one I cited earlier. Yeah. About shipwrecks. Yeah. So. That was cool. Um, There will be a lot of pictures posted on our social media. If any of you actually want to go take a peek. I was really excited to hear everyone's Barbara Cotton theories. And no one told us any of them. So. Yeah. I'm a little sad about that. But. We're a little, di- little disappointed in you guys. <laughs> what do I have to do to get you guys to interact <laughs> on social media? Please. Like, we're really nice. I just want to talk to somebody. I know. So. Other than me, because, like, we talk we about. We talk to each other. <laughs> like, on <laughs> social media. Like, <laughs> ugh, okay. It's like, I, like, text her. I'm like, did you see what I wrote no. back to you on social media? <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, Sorry for the mess of a podcast it's a you know it's it's a progress work of progress it's a work of in progress and uh, this is real this is me i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be thank you for not singing it (laughs) um hopefully we stayed loud enough because my headphones died right in the middle of your podcast yeah it looks okay on the other machine too okay i think that's it well you guys have a great rest of your week oh and is your um mini coming out sometime I think it probably my, just came I think out. my mini comes out on Friday. Friday. So yeah, you this coming pro- Friday. guys probably just got it. Mm, yeah. Yours yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you guys next Tuesday and have a great rest of your week. Bye.